Coming at you from the Steel City, you're listening to Poor Man's Podcast, Pittsburgh's premier comedy podcast. Your weekly dose of humor hosted by Chris Hopper and with a new special guest each week. And here's your host, Chris Hopper. Woo! Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Poor Man's Podcast Sports Extra with Sports Guy JP. I'm Chris, and along with me, as always, as you just heard in the title of the show, we have Sports Guy JP. JP, how are you doing this week? Uh, I'm doing great. How um, how are you doing? I'm not too bad. We are we're starting the show a little bit later. Normally, we do it, um, you know, in the in the you know early evening, and uh, we're almost burning the midnight oil in this one. But we wanted to bring it to you before the Steeler game started uh, Thursday. So, but let's get into uh, some of the recap from the past game against New England. Uh, JP, I was there. You were there. What What are we thinking about the game? What's the What's the biggest thing you took away from watching that? I think that um, the Matt Canada offense has no identity, and quite frankly, I think they need to start finding different ways to work the intermediate routes, routes across the middle, and start stretching the ball downfield. It seems like the defense, you know, they held New England to 17 points. They still seem like a top-notch defense. I know that they struggled to get pressure without T.J. Watt, but I think with Watt's return, it's still a... uh, top caliber defense as long as he's on the field. But, I mean, you need to score more points because offense had their chances in this game and they just couldn't capitalize. You know, I I need to see more more tempo. I think they said that that Pat Fryermuth touchdown was the first offensive touchdown they scored in however many quarters. This offense is just – I agree. This Canada offense, like, I I don't want to be one of those yingers who's just like, let's blame the coordinator or whatever. This offense does not seem to be working for anybody, and I and I kind of did. I blamed Roethlisberger a little bit last year because I thought he was way past his prime. Um, but I think this this offense is so east west, like it doesn't seem like you're going downfield, and it feels like they keep setting things up. Let's send uh, Claypool on a jet sweep. Let's do these motions and stuff, almost to build up for the big play later on, the play action that you're going to hit George Pickens on the sideline or something. But it never happens. That that big play never happens, and it's all set up and no and nothing, you know. Yeah, the th- no substance play went for uh, twenty three yards. That was the biggest play of the day. Um, I think it's been the biggest play of the year thus far. That we're only two games into it, but Pittsburgh's playing. Uh, it seems like they're consistently playing conservative football on offense. They uh, they're playing they not to lose. Run the ball with Najee Harris, but I mean, quite frankly. They're struggling to do so. The offensive line's not getting any push. And, um, you know, Trubisky hasn't thrown for over 200 yards yet. Do you think that it's because the play call? I've, I feel like they're, they're, they're trying to, like, over-game manage and not, you know, make any plays but not make any mistakes and hoping that the defense can keep them in it and then maybe run the ball. But, like I said, like it's hard to run the ball when there's no real deep threat in the pass game or even middle threat or anywhere between the hashes. And the most disturbing news to come out this week is that Mitch Trubisky isn't sure if he's even allowed to make audibles and adjustments at the line of scrimmage. Like You need to have your quarterback and coaches on track. If you don't trust your quarterback to make those calls, 
maybe it's time to see what, you know, Pickett can do. I wouldn't pull the string this early, but if you don't have faith in your quarterback to do that, then you really shouldn't be playing under center at all. I, I agree with that 100%. If you can't do that, then you're not fit for the position. Like, you need to be in there. And honestly, who would know better? And I, I, I'm i not trying to diminish what a coordinator does, calling the plays and stuff. But when you're behind center and you know your plays and you know your guys and you're reading the defense and you see, I don't know, oh, this guy, he's cheating to the left or whatever. I know if I look that way, I could hit this tight end. But we have a run play called. No, or we have an outside handoff where we have a jet sweep or we have a hook for, you know, two yards that Deontay Johnson has to fall out of bounds for or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it seems like Trubisky mentioned that they need to start or Canada suggested they need to throw the ball across the field more. And Trubisky said that we need to start calling plays to put receivers in those positions. So nothing's clear between the communications, not clear between the quarterback and coach. Quite frankly, you're not going to win many football games if that's the case. I don't get why they don't take any shots. Like it's, it's. I feel like if I was coaching a defense against the Steelers, like I'd look forward to playing against them. And George Pickens said himself that he felt like he was open on ninety percent of the plays. It's, you know, I, I noticed at least the person seemed like there were a lot of reads that Trubisky missed. And quite frankly, it's not all on Trubisky. The offensive line is really struggling in pass block as well. Um, Outside of uh, Chooks Okafor, especially, they've seemed to be lacking any sort of penetration in the run game or the pass game. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I didn't see any kind of pass rush uh, like you were saying. I guess I, I didn't really think uh, so much that keeping them, you, you know, to that amount of points. What was it, 17? Or were they in the 20s? Yeah, 17, 17 14? Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, keeping them under 20 points. I mean, that's pretty decent for a defense in, in the NFL the way it's, you know the scorers are today. Um, but I thought I was really expecting more out of Alex Highsmith. I'd like to see something there. It seemed like they didn't get any kind of pressure. I don't remember seeing Cam Hayward in there. I don't remember seeing anybody. I have Minka Fitzpatrick had the interception, but besides that, I mean, yeah. both. I mean, yeah. I mean, Aguilar had, what, 100 and however many yards and a touchdown. Um, their other receiver had a, like a hundred yards too. I thought. Yeah, Jacoby Myers really yeah, yeah. nine balls for ninety five, and Aguilar had the touchdown on six catches for a buck ten. Yeah, I knew two of the guys combined for two hundred yards. I mean, I guess too many more people weren't you know tearing them up more than that, but yeah, yeah these I, aren't like Pro Bowl wideouts by any means. But um, yeah, and I don't want to like talk poorly about the secondary in this game because I feel like. When you're not getting pressure on Mac Jones, any quarterback's going to tear you up like that. Mm -hmm. Dating back to last year at this point in the two games this year, Steelers with TJ Watt uh, fully healthy and not missing the uh, time in any game is 10-4. And And without them, they've moved to 0-5-1. Wow. Wow. And, you know, a couple months ago, or I guess a year ago, when they're talking about TJ Watt's contract, like if that doesn't show how important a guy is – but, the, you know, the other side of that coin is why is he injured so often, too? Yeah, it, it's like a man of no motor. He's just constantly having to, you know, rush the passer and run through the lineman. It's very difficult when, you know, he's one of three superstars on that defense. And, you know, he has to be the one that has to step up consistently if they expect to win football games. Um, and, uh, I mean, you can see in the final drive, the final drive of the game, the Patriots milked away 
6 minutes and 33 seconds on 13 plays. Steelers had all three of their timeouts, and the Patriots were able to get first down after first down and bleed away all 6 minutes and 33 seconds and not give the Steelers another opportunity to possess the ball late in the game. Yeah. Well, uh, I think going into the first two games, thinking we would leave one and one is kind of, you know, best case scenario, thinking after that first Cincinnati game. Let's go, uh, let's move forward to uh, the Cleveland game. That's the upcoming game uh, tomorrow as we record this, but probably today as it comes out. So, JP, opening thoughts on uh, Pittsburgh-Cleveland. Um, at the moment, it's, it seems like it's going to come down to whatever quarterback is able to manage the game better, in my opinion. Um, Mitch Trubisky and Jacoby Brissett are both, uh, you know, higher-end backups to lower-end starters. Um, I would say they probably both rank in the top 40 quarterbacks in this league, but not necessarily top 32. And uh, I think it's going to come down to the quarterback that's able to manage the game better in a I think kind of we saw with New England, it's going to be a struggle to put points on the board for both teams. Yeah. Um, do, do we know if Miles Garrett's playing? Um, update. I heard Davion Clowney's out, but Miles Garrett is likely to play. Uh, that's unfortunate to hear as a Steelers fan. Now, do we know the spread on this game? Uh, at the moment, lastly, it was four and a half in favor of the Steelers. So Steelers plus four and a half. And the other day, it was five-something, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they moved it from five-and-a-half to four-and-a-half. Was there a reason for that? Do we know? Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe it's um, they just see what players are playing and which players are rolled out, and they adjust accordingly. Yeah. Or depending if the uh, like public is going to be hammering a team, they'll change the line. So Pittsburgh going into Cleveland, do you think they're going to win? And if so, what do they need to do to get that win? Um, in order to win, they're going to have to slow down the run game. Um, Steelers ranked dead last against the run last season, and this year um, they've surrendered. Um, you know, uh, Joe Mixon had over 80 yards rushing, and they struggled this past week against the run attack of New England. I think that if they want to defeat Cleveland, it's going to be stopping Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt against this offensive line, which is no easy task. Um that they, um, I think that it's really going to come down to the whichever quarterback is able to manage the game better, and I'm expecting that to be, I think, just with the surrounding talent around him, Cleveland. I think Cleveland takes it, but they don't cover. Okay, so you like Pittsburgh with the points, but money line. We're going Cleveland. Yes, at the moment, I, I would take the home team money line. Uh, I, I think with Miles Garrett coming in with a struggling Steelers offensive line. It's going to be tough for them to, you know, um, for Trubisky to hang in the pocket and make plays downfield. And from Cle- Cleveland, offensive line, they have the best set of guards in the National Football League with Wyatt Teller and Joel Batonio. And I think that uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, I mean, before Kareem Hunt was here, they were both viewed as top 10 running backs. Chubb probably is a top five. So I think it's going to be difficult to slow those guys down in the backfield, especially without TJ Watt. Do you think that we're going to see a more opened-up Steelers offense? Do you think we're going to see Mitch Trubisky rolling out, passing the ball downfield, maybe hitting Fryermuth on the 12-yard slant or in or, you know, curl in the middle? Just something. Spread some guys out. That They have to. I mean, I, there's the criticism coming from both um, the haters on Trubisky and Canada alike. I think that 
they're going to have to start creating uh, more creative ways of moving the football downfield if they expect to maintain these guys together. Yeah, um, I, I agree. There's some weapons on this team, I, and I think I don't know that anyone by themselves right now is you know an elite number one for short receiver. I don't think Deontay Johnson is a, an elite number one receiver. But I do think as a group, there's potential, especially with George Pickens as a number three. You know, you go with the single tight end, three receivers, and one running back. Those are some talented guys on the field. If you have Claypool, you have Pickens, you have Deontay Johnson, Fryer with the tight end, and Najee Harris in the backfield. I mean, those are some some solid weapons. So let's find a way to get them involved instead of, you know, setting up for the plays that don't happen, like I was saying earlier. Yeah, they have a great um, ensemble of talent on their offense, and it's just like the last couple of years. Uh, it could be the play calling or just the lack of quarterback play. But yeah, they're loaded at wide receiver, young talent. Uh, Fryermuth, I think, has potential to be one of the best tight ends in the league. And Najee Harris, you know, he's constantly working, finding ways to get better. It's going to come down to the most important positions on the field: the protection from the offensive line and the quarterback, especially. Um, and if you if you look at this past week, Steelers could have won that game, but they were um, punting and turning the ball over in um, their own territory. Um, Steelers, um, if, if uh, Gunnar Oshesky doesn't drop that punt last week in their own territory, I mean, there's a really solid chance the defense is able to hang on and the Steelers are able to find a uh, find the victory. Do we think Gunner might be just a sleeper cell for the Steelers trying to, you know, New England sent to sabotage Pittsburgh from within? I mean, that, that you never know Bill Belichick. He probably had this play um, probably deep in the archives from years ago and was able to bust it out on him. You know? I don't know and why he, they would he, waste he, it for right he, now. And, and Matt Slater is way too talented of a special teamer for you to pawn on somebody else. So yeah. they, they pawn this guy over here. <laughs> But no, um, on that play, uh, punter Jake Bailey actually saw um, a gunner on their own team uncovered, and he um, adjusted to a sky punt with some more backspin on it, I heard, to that uh, uncovered side of the field. Mm-hmm. And um, apparently the Steelers only had 10 men, so they attacked the area that didn't have an extra man. That's so inexcusable for, like, to not have enough guys on the field. Like, how do you not know that? There's guys on the team who specifically, like, that's your role is to be on special teams. Like, how are you not present for that, and how is that acceptable? Yeah, I mean, they could have easily have called, like, a fake punt pass and have hit them on, you know, a six-yard, you know, out. They easily just could have done it. But I guess after the adjustment on the call, like, it's, it's just poor coaching not to have – 11 guys on the field and yet alone you're able to like make that call from a punt and can't reel in the ball like come on it's, it's st- stupid errors like that that cost cost you football games who was the uh punter who was like a decent quarterback is that johnny hecker johnny hecker yeah he played for the reigns i i know that he's gone i uh I don't know where he's at anymore. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he's on a team or if, it, like, you, you always find out someone who's like, oh, he's with Arizona or something, you know. Um, but he, <laughs> he, I think he has a t- couple touchdown passes, maybe. Or yeah, from, I mean, he, yeah. Oh, he, uh, Carolina's where he's playing now. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, he, I, I mean, he was an all pro punter for uh, many years and he does have an arm on him. Yeah, I've seen him hit a couple. I mean, you even see McAfee hit, he hit a passer on the Steelers. 
It's it's cool seeing some of the the punters. Brian Mormon, the old Bills punter, who was super fast. You, everyone remembers him from getting knocked out. But, well, not actually knocked out, but Sean Taylor like broke him in half at the Pro Bowl. <laughs> it's still probably the biggest hit in Pro Bowl history. Yeah, that was the last time there was a hit. Now, <laughs> yeah, JP, just make it flag football, like we said. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just do the dodgeball games. Do the the Battle of the Gridiron <laughs> Stars. Do tug of war. Do whatever. Uh, have them play three on three basketball or something. You know, that would be more entertaining than uh, than watching people half ass it. <laughs> or do the thing like uh, have the fans completely involved. You know, have them be the offensive coordinators. <laughs> I, I was going to get to uh, the punter talk. So uh, Tom Tuba is who I wanted to get at. He. Uh... Hat, he was the punter to the Jets, but when Vinny Testaverde got hurt, he actually had to fill in and play quarterback once. And actually, he was uh, pretty good at it. Oh, really? Yeah. He, like, he's he one of those it. guys I always remember because I would like draft on Madden because I was like, okay, I'm going to do a fantasy draft and I'm going to forget about taking a punter because, of, you know, whatever. They're, they're expendable because I'm not going to punt the ball anyway because I'm going to play on whatever level and win by 40 <laughs> points. I don't even need a punter. But I would always get the guy who had, like, he was either the fastest guy or he had the best throw power. And I remember he was always up there, Tom Tupa. Yeah, he was a, a former quarterback. And, oh, uh, NFL uh, career, he had 12 touchdowns to 25 interceptions. Oh, wow. That's a yeah, lot of throws. he may have played quarterback as well, like, <laughs> full time. 25 is a lot of interceptions to throw for somebody. Does it say how many attempts he has? <laughs> No, but it said he had 3,430 yards in his 60-and-a-half passer rating. What? 3,000 yeah, so yards? He had to have played a couple years under center. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> crazy. Maybe, yeah. If he, if, well, maybe Testaverde was out for an, ex, an extended period of time. <laughs> JP, you want to – okay. You said you like Steelers with the points, but you like Browns money line. Anything else you'd like to add to this before we make the picks? No, I, I think that it's very doable for the Steelers to win this, just as history says. But if I had to go with what I've looked at, I think it's going to be tough to slow the run down. And I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to the home team this week. Fair enough, JP. Do we have uh, do we have five picks this week? Yes, I got five. Absolutely. Uh, what do we start? We're going to start with number one. Then I got to find the. Uh, there we go. Are you ready, JP? Uh, always. JP's picks. Number one. Number one. I'm going to uh, take the Kansas City Chiefs this week on the road against the Colts at minus five and a half. Um, Colts have been the biggest disaster and letdown this year so far, and Chiefs have picked up right where they left. Uh, touchdown covers. I like Kansas City. Um, Matt Ryan's struggling this year. One touchdown to four interceptions. Chiefs scored 27 points last week, which we consider pretty low scoring for them against um, a top-notch defense like the Chargers. But the Colts have only scored 20 points all year in return. Um, Mahomes in September has been phenomenal for 13-2 and two record. 48 touchdowns to just three interceptions. Wow. And, yeah, numbers like that, it's going to be tough for the Colts to – get Jonathan Taylor involved in the run game if they're playing a high-powered offense from behind. So I like the Chiefs by more than a touchdown. I don't know what's going on with the Colts. The Colts are having like a quarterback carousel, kind of like Cleveland 
almost, but like I don't, I don't know. I don't it, know why they're going through like re, you know re, it's retired like quarterbacks. Fine with Washington, just bringing in like guys that are well past their prime. Yeah, I don't <laughs> understand that at all. It, it doesn't seem like a recipe for long terms. Like I, I would never bring in like Matt Ryan. I don't think he's gonna get any team over the top unless like you maybe if they threw him in like. I don't know. San, I'm not saying he would work with San Francisco's offense, but like a team where like every piece is in place. Yeah, absolutely. And the Colts have like some talent. And I mean, Jonathan Taylor is about as good as you get at running back. Mm-hmm. It's just like not enough to support, I guess, Matt Ryan at this stage of his career. I mean, he, he played one with one franchise this whole time. And now, it, it, you know, change of life's real. Like, you know, it's like a new place where he's. Um, waking up every day, new place where he's, you know, the way he studies film, everything's a little bit different now. So yeah. maybe it's just, you know, he, he's off his habit. Sounds fair enough, JP. Uh, so what was your pick against? Sorry. Uh, Kansas City minus five and a half against Indianapolis. Do you know where they're playing? Uh, they're playing in Indianapolis. So I actually kind of think the Dome's going to benefit Mahomes um, to throw the ball through there too. Yeah. All right, let's get to number number two. Uh, again, I'm going to take another high-powered offense. Um, give me Buffalo against Miami, minus six and a half. Um, I think that a lot of people are just up on Miami's high horse right now after the performance they had last week, which was awesome for two in the second half. But two is one in three in his career versus the Bills with one touchdown to four interceptions. Josh Allen, on the other hand, is 7-1 in his career versus the Dolphins, only losing his first ever game against them. And uh, I, I think that the defense for Buffalo is much tougher than Baltimore, who had to start two rookie corners last week. Um, Hyde and Poyer is the best safety duo in the NFL, and they're going to limit the deep balls. Um, they have nine sacks on the year as well, and they rotate uh, fresh defensive linemen frequently cause mismatch on the Dolphins O-line. And their de- uh, Dolphins D only has two sacks on the year. And it's going to be tough to bring Josh Allen down. And uh, Josh Allen's completing 75% of his passes so far this year. That's crazy. Um, which is, you know, just, yeah, outrageous. Uh, Buffalo actually has the number one defense, according to PFF, while the Dolphins rank 29. And they surrendered the fewest rushing yards this year and the second fewest passing yards through two weeks. And, um, yeah, they've surrendered one touchdown and have five interceptions as well. So defense and offensively, they're playing better than anyone. And I think it's going to be a bit of a wake-up call for Miami. When do you think the last time that a Buffalo-Miami football game mattered? Or or was relevant with two teams with a winning record even? I, I feel like it's it's been forever. Patriots have just taken over that entire division for, you know, my entire life. Yeah, and it's finally somebody else. And, I mean, Buffalo-Miami, this could be the most exciting game of the week, but I'm going to roll Buffalo. I think it's their division to lose. All right, then. Let's go to... Number three! Okay, this week I'm going to take San Francisco minus one. So we basically get a uh, money line game here. I'm sorry, minus one and a half to be exact, versus the Denver Broncos. Um Quite frankly, I think the Niners are a better team with Grappolo under center. He's a great locker room guy. The players love him. He actually has a 33-14 and 14 record overall as a starter. And um, look for them to be more consistent, more comfortable with him under center. 
Um, Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson, on the other hand, I just don't see much chemistry there through two weeks so far. Wilson's only completing 59% of his passes, which ranks behind Cooper Rush, Matt Ryan, Joe Flacco, and Mitch Trubisky at the moment. Um, And much like the Bills, the Niners' defense is top-notch. They've surrendered the fewest passing yards through two weeks and the second-fewest rushing yards. And uh, there's a chance that George Kittle might return while Jerry Judy may be banged up. And um, uh, most importantly, Tyler Lockett this past week mentioned that Russell Wilson seemed to be using the same game game signals he noticed when Seattle played Denver. And uh-huh. same friends familiar with Russell Wilson from the same division. So I think if they're able to pick up on their signals, they'll be able to um, be able to limit their offense. Yeah. That is true. I mean, the the 49ers have definitely seen their share of Russell Wilson over the couple, you know, his career. So, uh, yeah, they should be prepared to go against them. Uh, you said that was a one-and-a-half-point game, right? Yeah, so it's almost a coin flip. They have a lot of faith in Russell Wilson, but so far through two weeks, Denver's been kind of disappointing. So I was going to say... I, and I think St. Francis seems re, rejuvenated with Garoppolo. I think I that's one team that a lot of people were up on in the beginning of the year, and I'm, I wasn't, and I still really am not on Denver. Uh, I I think Russell Wilson is a good quarterback, but like just going in, like you're in a new town, you're in a new with a new team with a new offense. Maybe it's just growing pains for the first. Yeah, maybe it's just the first couple games. Maybe he needs to get used to it, but uh, I don't know. I I think it's a tough season for Denver. Yeah, I I, uh, I just haven't seen much chemistry, like I said, between Hackett and Russell. Um, it seemed like there was no urgency in that week one game when they were trying to drive against Seattle. Um, he just Russell Wilson looked uncomfortable and out of place, and I've never seen him like that before. Yeah. Was this one number three or number four? That was three. Okay, that's what I thought. Let's go to number four. Sure. All right, I'm going to take uh, Dallas this week plus two and a half against uh, the New York Giants. Um, Giants are two and zero at the moment, but their schedule has been very easy so far. They've beaten the Titans and Panthers, who are both zero and two. Daniel Jones has a one and three record against Dallas. Um, but most importantly, I think the Giants' offensive line is going to struggle against Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons, who's now leading the league in sacks. He's well, an absolute monster. Thomas. Uh, what was that? Parsons is an absolute monster. Yeah, he's he's just able to wreck a game, and he's already in year two. Like that's all he is. With limited yeah. experience. He already looks like one of the best. He already looks like a Hall of Fame potential talent. Um, Giants outside of Andrew Thomas though, on the offensive line struggles, and I mean it seems to have been a thing for almost a decade now. They just haven't been able to protect their quarterback. I like Dallas to take advantage of that. And um, Cooper Rush has actually played well in his limited starts. He's 2-0. and uh, And, uh, um, you know, I, I think that there's something about this team that kind of like you almost get more motivated and have to work harder when you realize your backup quarterback's in. I don't um, I don't hate on Cooper Rush. I thought I, I caught the end of it. He, uh, he made two throws he had to make. I mean, one got tipped. And, uh, you know, it was lucky that Dallas caught, but... At the end of the game, he got him down in field goal position and won the game. Yeah, and I, he played well last year, too, when he was his number was called upon. And, I mean, I see inconsistency of Prescott on a regular basis. 
uh, rush in limited sessions has looked good. Um, and Dallas's defense held the Bengals and Bucks to under 20 points. So, you know, I, if they're able to slow down, you know, Super Bowl potential teams like that, uh, I think they should be able to handle Daniel Jones in the struggling <laughs> offensive line as well. Um, who, who knows? Giants have actually lost seven straight Monday night games as well. This will be on Monday night. And Dallas is a 9-1 and one versus the Giants in their last 10 games. Oh, wow. Well, we will see. I, I think the Giants are about to. I, the Giants have almost already won more games than I expected them to. I think they're, you know, I think Daniel Jones is just not good. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty, uh, pr- pretty uh, lightly, but straight to the point. Yeah, Daniel Jones just, it even sounded like he, he was a reach of a pick when they drafted him sixth overall at Duke. It just seemed to make no sense. Do we think one of the worst quarterbacks drafted that nobody really talks about for being awful and a bust is Josh Rosen? Oh yeah, he, he's he's often overlooked for so much. Like he was immediately like Kyler Murray was his immediate replacement. <laughs> yeah, he's he, he's been on like more teams than games he's played. Yeah, he's he's yeah. <laughs> tra- and it, it, I I feel like he has like this arrogance about him too. Yeah, he he was cocky. He was like everyone's going to regret. It everyone that was picked before me. It was like, there were like 10 mistakes picking before me or whatever he said. And it's like, uh, you're out of the league already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't, I don't know what he was. It's not that Daniel Jones is like him quite. I mean, he, he can at least, you know, win a game here and there. Uh, <laughs> you ready to go to number one or number yep. five? Number five. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm going to take the Houston Texans this week. Uh, plus two and a half against the Chicago Bears, simply because there's a team that's worse than Houston, it's the Chicago Bears. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Bears, it's the worst passing attack in the NFL. Um, Justin Fields, through two weeks, only has 15 completions on 28 attempts. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's making the Steelers sound like uh, Eric Correale. Right. So, there's no faith in this offense. Offensive line's a mess. They... Uh, uh, PFF grade at offense is 31. Defense is also 31. Offensive line is 30. Overall, they're 32 <laughs> um, through two weeks. They just, I'm not seeing any playmakers on this offense outside of David Montgomery at the running back position. As a matter of fact, he also leads their team in receptions with five. And no that's awful for two. Receiver. That's two games, and he leads the team with five receptions. Yes, and no wide receiver or tight end has more than three. So David Montgomery, with five receptions, has a third of the receptions on the team. Yes, and that's just not a recipe for winning football games when your running back accumulates for a third of your quarterback's uh, completions and a sixth of his attempts, as a matter of fact. Do we know how many yards he has so far? How many what? Do you know how many yards Justin Fields has passing? Uh, 191 through two games. Okay, so we're averaging under 100 yards per game. Yes, and I think this is a great game to get uh, Derek Stingley involved, um, the, the rookie out of LSU, to get his feet wet on um, coverages downfield. I mean, there's just no one on this team that's creating separation. Um, and like I said, every member of the offensive line has allowed multiple pressures, and I think it's going to be a, a day for an underrated hungry Houston team this week. Um Houston seems more confident in Davis Mills than the Bears are in Justin Fields, to be honest. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, through uh, 
Mills has started 13 games in his career and has better numbers than Fields, who's played 12. Um, Mills has almost a thousand more yards uh, in a 17 to 9 ratio of touchdowns and interceptions. And Fields has nine touchdowns to 11 interceptions. So I, I think that there's more confidence in Mills, who has a couple playmakers in Brandon Cooks and um, the, the rookie running back in Pierce and uh, uh, Laramie Tunsil to protect him up front. I think Houston's going to take this one. All right. There you have it, everybody. JP's picks. Do you want to go and say one, uh, say them all one more time for everybody? Sure. I have uh, the Chiefs minus five and a half against the Colts. Uh, the Bills minus six and a half against the Dolphins. 49ers minus one and a half against Denver. Uh, Dallas plus two and a half against the uh, New York Giants. And Houston plus two and a half against the Bears. Well, there you have it, everybody. JP, I have one more question, and I didn't prep you for it. Not that I ever prep you for anything, but uh, we. Uh, uh, this is my question, and just give me a name and maybe like a, a 10, 15-second answer. Which of the new NFL coaches, you know, first-year coaches, is impressing you the most right now, and why? It's mm, a good question. Um, first-year NFL coach. So I, I mean, you have like, say, like Josh McDaniels. You have, uh, what's his name, McDaniels, or is it McDaniels too? And uh, in Miami. Uh, yeah, uh, Mike McDaniels. So there's McDaniels. So there's Mike McDaniels and Josh McDaniels, and then I guess <laughs> other coaches that aren't named McDaniels. That's weird. I, I never, you know, made that connection until I just said it. Yeah. So we have uh, actually ten head head coaches that are new this year. Um, I think that I have been impressed with uh, Brian Brian uh, Dabble from uh, the Giants at the moment, considering I feel like there was a dumpster fire that he's now 2-0 and with. Yeah. I was also impressed with uh, Kevin O'Connell and the Vikings in week one, but they slowed down in week two. But I would say I'm probably most impressed with Mike McDaniel and the Miami Dolphins at the moment. Um, yeah. Just the comeback they had this past week against uh, the Ravens was impressive. Tua finally has a coach that believes in him. They brought in um, Speedster and Tyreek Hill, all-pro wide receiver. Him and Waddle um, were uh, one and two after Sunday in receiving yards. I think Stephon Diggs may have crept up in there. But, yeah, I think just the explosiveness from the offense and a hungry defense that he's bringing each and every week to me. And the the players love him, and I'm – it's cool to see some of the stuff he was running with Shanahan in Miami. And I think that they have, I think Miami's a very exciting watch this year. Yeah. Well, it's, it's nice to uh, see Miami actually being relevant again. Yeah, absolutely. They're um, like we said, it was the Patriots division for a long time. Now I think it's more wide open. I think this is a make or break game this week with Buffalo. We'll see if they're for real or not. I think that this week when they play Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Yeah, we're so used to seeing the like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Colts, and Patriots. You know, basically taking two of the AFC playoff teams every single year. You know, a few years ago, now you know it seems like Patriots are finally just you know another team. Yeah, yeah, and it seems like you know just the lack of superstar talent on the Patriots. I, I know they sold W this past week, but. I think in terms of their division, they could be the, the third uh, third best team pretty distantly this year. Yeah. 
All right, JP. Uh, we have your picks. Uh, everybody, listen. Thank you for listening to this one. Listen to the regular Poor Man's Podcast every Monday. You can watch the live stream on YouTube and Facebook. You can download it. Uh, it'll be available Monday nights mostly, if not by Tuesday morning. And uh, let's see. Next week we have Marcus Cox, comedian Marcus Cox. And then we have, uh, you can check out the Instagram page for this next guest for Odd Pittsburgh. Um, it's a it's a guy, he does uh, kind of uh, interesting, kind of strange, weird stories, uh, local Pittsburgh stories. That should be very interesting. So definitely tune in for that. Uh, if you haven't, go back and listen to the Matt Light episode we just had. He's always he's always a great guest. So, JP, it's always a pleasure. Uh, yeah, always great to be part of the Poor Man's Podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, JP, we'll talk to you next week. Hopefully we'll talk after Steelers W. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. I'm going to say I'm so happy yeah. that I was allowed to be part of your day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We hope you had a good time. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the show to catch the latest episodes and share with your friends. We can't promise not to embarrass you. And if you just can't get enough, follow us on Instagram at Poor Man's Podcast 412, Twitter at Poor Man's Pod 412, and Facebook. This is Pittsburgh's own Poor Man's Podcast signing off. See you next week. You play to win the game. You like that? You like that? Great cash, homie.